Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by the crew. We got Damon Owen, Devin Schott, Tom Fertile, and Rob Longo. Welcome, one and all. Good to be here, right? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, with that, we'd like everybody to get out their Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to help us to see what the Lord wants us to see today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you as your sons. We come to you in wonder and awe for just for how much you love us. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for choosing us, for desiring us, for delighting in us. Thank you for the gift of, of this season of Lent that we are entering into. Help us to, to grow closer to you in our prayers, through our fasting, in our acts of service and giving that they're not just check the box, that they are enabling us and and drawing us closer to your heart. Please, Lord, bless every single person that's listening to this radio show right now. Bless them and their families. Please hold them in the palm of your hands and draw us all closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Damon, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? I'd be blessed. So our Sunday's reading is uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, you shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I think your opening line, uh, Damon, from this scripture reading, filled with the Holy Spirit, I think every one of our listeners, myself included, 
before we start our journey every day of our life, we need to stop, drop, and be filled. Take that time to be filled by the Holy Spirit, and then ask the Father, where do you want me to go today? And then, like Jesus, be led by the Spirit into the wilderness that's out there. It's a battleground. The enemy is looking to take you out, your family out, and your friends out. So for me, this whole the notion of being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important. If we don't stop and suit up like Ephesians tells us to do, put on the armor of God, get filled with the Holy Spirit so we're protecting ourselves, all parts of our body, our minds, all of us, our hearts, we will get attacked, we will get tempted, and you know what? If we're not fully filled, we will fall. So for me, two parts to this first sentence, stop, drop, and pray. Put God first in my life, fill up with Him, and then take Him into the world, huh, not just me. You mean I'm going to be tempted? <laughs> I, I go to Mass, I, I, I pray, I even go to confession, I, I'm going to be tempted? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, is that the, one of our messages? You know the most funniest part, Tom? God's <laughs> going to allow it just for you, for your purification, your edification, and, and you making you who He created you to be. It's for your good. Tested and forged in fire. Absolutely. Now, I think it's a good point, of course, tongue-in-cheek, tongue mm-hmm. but I, I think sometimes it's easy to fall into that, you know, well, that's that's for other people, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm living the life and I'm, I'm doing the motions and, you know, it's it's the, the bad people that are going to be led astray. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of always looking at C.S. Lewis and I think back, you know, the, the enemy rejoices not with the, you know, the person who's down and out, of the, uh, you know, in the gutter. He rejoices when he can get the person who's going to church to to be just a little bit, you know, oh, look at that person over there. And can you believe what he's doing? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the juicy stuff. That's the victories when he gets the the righteous and the holy to to, 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 to not be so, but still think they are, you know. And again, not speaking out of other people, definitely experienced myself myself that uh, uh, a, a lot as well. So I think that's that's some of the temptation. It's not blatant always. It's not... You know, right out there in front of you, of course, there's temptations, you know, in, in the internet and pornography, but most of us probably aren't tempted to rob a bank, you know, or to murder, but we are tempted to gossip, or we are tempted to judge, or are tempted to be envious, and uh, those are the little things that find the, the cracks in the armor. So I love what you said, David. If we're not armored up, you know, there's, there, he will find the holes. He will find the holes. You know, when you said the word gossip, it reminded me of God, God the Father. I love his sense of humor. I love the way he teaches me. One day I heard on the internet that Chumley from Pawn Stars died of a massive heart attack. I was like, unbelievable. I must have told 20 people that day that Chumley died from Pawn Stars and from a massive heart attack. The next day I came to find out that was just not true. They did it as a as a, uh, a a a a pun, but I went out and gossiped and told what I thought was a truth, and I went, "Oh my goodness, Lord!" And the Lord was like teaching me a lesson. You see, everything you hear or see or read isn't truth. Not everything. So be careful the words you share, and sometimes even truth can be shared. And it's gossip. So for me, that that's a big one, Tom. So thank you for sharing that, because that was a heck of a teaching moment for me. Because now, guess what? How am I going to get to those 20 people and the people that they told and the people that they told? Put the feather back into the pillows. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, this um, verse is, is, I was just double checking. This is right after the baptism, right? So 
it's always trying to get the context of, of the gospel here where Christ submitted to this ritual, John the Baptist, right, came to the Jordan in line with everybody else, was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down with a dove, he opened the voice of the Lord, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? That's the, the context. And then filled with that Holy Spirit, the Spirit leads him out into the deserted place. And of course, he's there 40 days and he's hungry, right? And all that context, I think, is powerful that when we're talking about temptation or or, or others, to realize that um, these things work just as the graces work in and through our nature. You know, we're hungry for God, therefore we're thirsty for God, and then we're we're satisfied. So the hunger and the thirst is understandable in the natural right here. And the devil came to do what? To almost, to, to not almost, directly to usurp that fatherhood to say, you're hungry? I got some food for you. Here's how you do it. Turn that stone into bread, right? You know that you're special, that you're the beloved and delighted son of God, the father. Here, stand up here. I'll give you all of this because I've been given all this and all you got to do is worship me. So I think when we, although Christ has never sinned and people have, have struggled with that and I've heard people even say, you know, I'd be more relatable to Jesus if he actually sinned, you know, then he'd really understand what I went through. I've actually heard that. But if we can get into the depths of the temptation, that's enough. I think it's because we don't understand the depth of the temptation that, you know, he has just now been publicly anointed and delighted in the Father, hungry than hunger that we can't even imagine physically, spiritually, and you can't fill that by bread alone. He knows that you can't. So the fatherhood that preceded this false fatherhood really is the story for me in understanding what it means to be a, a, a son in the image and likeness of God. And it, it's not so obvious. You know, I think the, the devil has made, you know, he, he's flown under the radar for so long that we don't even recognize that he's in play. Oh, the horns, you know, the pitchfork. Yeah. You don't recognize him? Got the I mean, red skin, you know? So, I see him anywhere. You know, if it was like, you know, choice, temptation, you know, go right, God, go left, devil, even people of goodwill that don't profess themselves to be religious at all would probably choose the God road. I mean, so we have to be so uh, so in tune that that he uh, he's prowling about like a roaring lion, right, ready to devour. But God, God won, right? He, you know, we are in, he is in us and, and he, he will, he will prevail in and through us. But if we just, if, you know, if, if we don't see the subtlety and Dave, you were talking about the traction earlier, that even when you hear something true and you talk about it, that's like, that's not what we're called to do. Um, and that's, that's hard. Right, especially when that truth hurts us. Um, yeah, so you know, there's there's the subtlety um, and the and the you know and the insidiousness of of his attack, and you know, it's it's hard. It's it's really hard to to discern um, what to do in certain situations. And sometimes for me, I, I think it's just pull back a little bit, ask the Holy Spirit in that moment. To guide me, um, especially with with situations that I take offense. Like, so if something happened and it's it truly happened, and then I try to figure out why someone did something or didn't do something or responded or didn't respond, and then I take the bait of offense of that, um, I'm just praying that I could 
give somebody the benefit of doubt that maybe they're having a bad day or maybe they're having a bad night or maybe they, you know, were just going and going and going and just, you know, ran out of gas or they're rushing home for their sick child or, um, you know, the benefit of the doubt that something happened and, and treat them with like assuming that something happened. Because most times in life, there's some stuff going on uh, that people need that, you know, that little bit of grace. And, you know, you sit here and you think, well, why would God lead by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, or leave you and I into temptation? That doesn't make any sense until you stop and you ask God, why'd you do that? And I did that question while Rob was sharing, and the answer was this, to show you your weakness— the weakness in the armor that protects your heart, the weakness in the in the helmet that protects your mind. God allows the temptations to show us where we have weaknesses, which are entry points for the enemy to put portals of toxins into our hearts, portals of toxins into our minds. So God allows these temptations, but he also says, I'll give you a way out come to me. And so as we learn the word, we digest the word, when we're tempted, and I'm going to use an image, an impure image of a, a, a pornography image, if the image comes into your mind, it's not a sin. More than likely, the enemy did a little bit of a tease to get it there. Now, what you choose to do with that is your free will choice. If you take and cap- take capture that thought, take capture that thought, and then pray for the people in the image in earnest from your heart. Now, God is taking what the enemy meant for your fall and turning it around to be a blessing to each and every man and woman in that scene. You see, that's a tool God gives us, a help to not fall to the temptation, but take it captive, take that thought captive, and now turn it into a blessing, a blessing for others. So it's so important to ask God for the tools, for the way out, for the grace to be able to fight these battles. Why? Because just like a person in the army or in the Marines, it's through that constant, you know, uh, preparation and preparation and preparation that they're prepared for that battle. So for us, it's a daily journey of just a refining and a and a getting you ready and learning the tactics of the enemy and then opening your toolbox and doing what you need to do. Now he, I mean, his, his hand, he showed his hand, right? So the devil had finished every temptation. I mean, he's not creative, so he's, <laughs> he's, this is his, this is his game plan, right? So, um, well, yeah, he's, he, but he never gives up. <laughs> yeah, it was the same game plan that was in the desert with the Israelites. I mean, if you look at these three temptations, it's a reiteration or a reliving out. So you've got the old Israel um, who's in the desert and they're complaining about the manna, the bread, right? Mm. And the devil comes to Jesus and says, you know, you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. So he undoes what ancient, as a new Israel out of Egypt, I've called my son, um, Jesus undoes what ancient Israel did in the desert. And so the second temptation here is worship me like they worship the golden calf. Worship me and I'll give you all this power. And their Israelites are saying, look, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt, right? And so you look at those first ones. We got complaining and grumbling on the Israelites in the desert over the bread that they're eating. We've got idol worship, which ends up being sexual, you know, the perversion in the desert, right? They end up in this massive orgy. And then the third one, you've got Moses who strikes the rock twice. 
He dashes the stone, right? Because he's anxious, he's passionate, he's angry because nothing is happening. No water is coming out. And Jesus undoes that by saying, no, I'm not going to throw myself and dash my foot on a stone, whatever. But in Psalm 91, where the devil is, or where, where the devil is referencing this, it actually says that God says to this servant in Psalm 91, I will protect him for he knows my name. And what's the name? Abba, Daddy back to that image of the father. And St. Augustine says, so Jesus undoes everything that's mm. been accomplished in the desert or, 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 or failed, the mm. failure of the Israelites in the desert. He undoes, but he proves to us that as St. Augustine says, that temptation leads to salvation. And temptation leads to salvation ironically in two ways. Um, temp- <laughs> when we overcome temptation, we strengthen our virtue, right? And we flex our spiritual muscles and we, we become stronger in our love for God. But when we fail, temptation leads to salvation through humiliation because we're humiliated because of our failures. And this is a key. A lot of people don't embrace their humiliation, but by embracing humiliation, we can actually embrace humility. And so we don't excuse ourselves. We don't blame others. We don't, oh, that was their fault or whatever. We accept the humiliation. We embrace it. And by embracing that, we embrace the virtue of humility. Then we can rise in fortitude. And when we rise in fortitude, then we become warriors for Christ. But that's an ongoing battle. And so temptations actually cannot fail us if we respond correctly, even when we fail or even when we succeed, as long as we don't become prideful in our success. So I think this key, and it's beautiful because it says that Jesus was hungry. I love that. He's hungry, but it's not just physical hunger. You know, uh, Cardinal uh, Seurat in his book, Power of Silence, he talks about how we need to enter solitude and silence and that's born out of aesthetic, aesthetics, uh, uh, sacrifice, right? The ascetic life. So you've got solitude and silence, but it's through that sacrifice, we become hungry for God. So when we deprive ourselves of physical food, thirst, drink, visual stuff, whatever, then we become hungry for the things of God. And Jesus is ready to launch out into his ministry from here because he's hungry to do the Lord's will. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love if I, if I take what you said, you know, uh, you know, Debbie, you talked about, you know, of course, invoking the name of Jesus. And David, you know, you, you frequently, and you did this morning, talk about um, naming, you know, naming the sin, praying for those people. And I think about joining the two, you know, calling on Jesus and then naming the specific temptation, the specific what I'm facing. Because many times I think in my prayers, it's, it's more general, uh, you know, purity, uh, be a, be a good dad, you know. But what what is the issue? Name. I mean, I don't want to name mm-hmm. the, the the specific. And 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 I think Sweet. our father wants intimacy. He wants that. What what is it? You know, he knows what it is. But well, will I name it? Will I get that specific and direct and invoke the name of Jesus for that specific thing, that specific situation, that specific person, that specific vice, whatever it is? And and don't dance around it. You know, address the wound and call on Jesus to heal it. Yeah. There's uh, also another important uh, point I think here is that uh, the word agony uh, in, I believe it's in the Greek, comes from the word uh, agonitsima, I think, but the root word is a go, which means to be led or it's to enter a contest. And if you look at Jesus's agony in the garden, which is the fulfillment of this first agony in the desert, he's being led into this challenge, into this contest. And the great battle for us is just like Jesus in the garden where he is faced with the temptation to flee or to courageously trust the Father even though hell awaits. You know, for Jesus, he knew he was going to be filleted. Uh, 
He was going to be beaten, uh, mocked, tortured mercilessly. And yet to stand there and to face his betrayer, to be a go led by God. And, and then at that point, the key is to trust, even though he knows that all hell is going to be waged against him. I think that's the key for us. You know, when temptations come, we feel that all hell is being unleashed on us, but we have this temptation to either flee or we can press ahead. And the only thing that's going to get us through that is trust. You know, Hebrews says, I think it's Hebrews eleven six says, without trust, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, when you shared that, I was back at, the, that's where I was, is, is was led by the Spirit. And I'm like, what does that look like? And when you just brought this up, I never even thought of it this way. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Because elsewhere in scriptures, it says we're called to be led by the Spirit. And I always share that, well, the litmus test of that is we experience the fruit of the Spirit. Because the, if you're being led by God and being led by the Spirit, you're going to experience the fruit. The fruit is peace, love, joy. And I'm thinking of what you described, that what Jesus just went through. But guess what? He had peace. Mm-hmm. He had love, even for the people that were, were putting nails in, in, in his hand, in his hands and his feet. He had gentleness. He had kindness. He had the fruit of the Spirit, although going through the most excruciating agony of his life. That's where God does not abandon us in our journey, but walks with us. And I love Jesus when he says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we want to take that to the human level and say, you know, man, he's saying, you know, why are you letting this happen to me, dad? Why? But we got to go deeper and understand what he's really doing. He's the rabbi. He's the teacher. Rabbis and teachers, Jewish culture, they always started out with the first line of the psalm. Psalm 22, the suffering sermon. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that psalm, it describes what's happening to him then, though that song was written many, many centuries before, then that the dogs surround me. They cast lots for my clothes. But there's a key thing it says, that the father did not turn his back on him. The father was with him. So for me, no matter what we're going through, in this world, no. If we're filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, we'll still experience the peace, the joy, the love. A friend of ours, part of God, Stewardship Mission of Faith, Peter Saad, passed, you know, a little over a year or so ago. And we were, I was with him at his bedside like three times in like a week before he passed. The peace that that man had. The joy that that man had, the little boy in him, I can't even describe. I could not do that, but for the grace of God. I've never experienced anything like that, and, but I saw, just like Jesus ex, you know, expressed in his, in, his, in his journey of the passion, that fruit of the Spirit, even at the moment of death. Yeah, I think the, the beautiful part of that, Devin, you're unpacking agony and, and suffering and, and the fruit, that there's, a, there's an important step in between and a realization that when this happens, that fruit is not instantaneous, right? And while we're suffering, the larger uh, mission, which is a, a, a agonizing, right, of being part of something bigger in God's plan, the suffering that's, that's essential to that path, the fruit that's born takes time. 
It takes a maturity, just like a, a, a plant that grows, right? The fruit that comes from the tree doesn't come right after you prune it. You know, it doesn't come right after you, you plant it. It doesn't come right after you water it and other things. So the pruning hurts, right? The time waiting hurts. How many years does it take before the fruit comes? And then when the fruit comes, you realize it was all worth it. So the hope and the faith that says, I know I am an apple tree, and I know that apples will come. Right? I know I am a son of God, and I know that I will be redeemed if I, if I abide in all that the Father is doing for me. So the hope that enduring the suffering is not an end in and of itself. It's part of the ag- agony, and that agony, though, is for that greater end of redemption. That's not wishful thinking. That's not church talk. That's not being overly religious. That's knowing who you are. That's, I, this is, it's not who I make myself. It's who I am. And that kind of faith, I think, is that relational, abiding, heart-connecting faith that all the concepts and abstracts and ideas mm-hmm. just just strengthen, but they could never create on their own. And, and suffering, if we change the direction of our thought to that, that it's not a means to an end, that the end will be realized here, the end is heaven. So we may not see what we think is an end to the suffering here. Or the bearing of the fruit. Or the bearing of the fruit. <clears throat> Right, so are we that confident in that's that's our end? That's our end. That that we offer up all that suffering as sacrifice for the salvation of souls, and then on the other side, get to see with the Father the ripple effect of that life lived out for you know glory for His glory and for for the salvation of souls. And you use the imagery of an apple tree. An apple tree has to set its roots. It has to grow its branches. It has to grow its leaves. It doesn't produce its first apple to year seven. Yeah, it's really interesting on this whole theme because in John 15, Jesus says seven times, abide with me. And he's talking about the pruning of the, of the vine and all that. And the reason in the Greek is really strong. It's remain, remain and live, be entrenched in me. Manere, and, yeah. and, the, and the reason is, is because uh, we are so tempted when the pruning process happens to flee. We, we don't like the pruning process, but that's where the most growth takes place. You know, you prune a tree back and then it grows. And we're tempted to flee when God is pruning us. We got to remain with him. Last quick thing on that one, though, is it, it grows where God wants it to grow, right? Oftentimes, he doesn't just prune dead. There's no use in pruning dead branches. It's the, <laughs> right. it's the, it's the fruitful ones that have the, the sap and the juices in there, but that's not where the, the flower or the fruit would be, and God will prune those. So mm. another part of the patience that, but God, this was such a good vine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, interesting, the vine. If you let a grape vine grow, she'll grow. She'll attach to every fence post, every other vine, every wire, but won't produce fruit. It's only in the pruning of the vine that the vine says, uh-oh, I need to produce fruit. So that's why that's used, the vine story in Jesus' parable. May God bless each and every one of you, our listeners today. Allow yourself to be led by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and be the world changers that God's created you to be. May God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at 
stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.